Hey, my name is Josh. I'm one of the, the pastors here at Thrive. And we're going to jump straight into it this morning because we've got a lot to get through. But uh, at the start of the year, I talked a little bit about uh, a season that I felt that we were heading into as a church. And uh, for those of you that weren't here or, or didn't hear it, which you wouldn't have if you weren't here, then, or maybe didn't listen to the podcast, there you go, podcast, uh, I talked about how I felt, uh, I really felt in my spirit that there was a grace over us as a church uh, for more, that if we could sum it up in one word, it would be more. And uh, I mean more more finances, more, more miracles, more healings, more dreams, more visions, uh, more breakthrough in relationships. And it was available not just to us as a church, as a corporate body, but to each and every one of us as individuals, as families, you know, in our businesses, whatever, that that grace was there for us. And so I really want to just uh, revisit that this morning uh, because I have uh, a con- concerns too strong a word, but I'm carrying just this little wee mm, in my spirit that there is the potential for for some of us in the church, or maybe all of us to varying degrees, to miss what God has for us because we fail to understand how to receive from God. Does that make sense? So what I want to talk to you about this morning is how to receive from God, Uh, how to receive from God, how to have the mindset that you need to receive from God, how to have the posture you need to receive from God, and how to have the position to receive from God. So Neil, you can just flick through those three for me. That'd be great. We'll burn through this real quick. Uh, in, in Mark, and this isn't on the PowerPoint, Neil, but in Mark, Jesus is telling a parable, and he talks about wineskins. He says, no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If you do that, then the old wineskins will burst, the wine will run out, the wineskins are ruined, and the wine is ruined. So back in Jesus' day, what they would do is they would, uh, they would make wineskins out of the skin of animals, and then when they made their wine, they would store the wine in the wineskins, and then the wine would go through the aging process, and it would, I, mean, I don't know, ferment or gases would come out or whatever. But anyway, the wine would expand, and if the skins were new skins, then there was a bit of elasticity in them, and they could expand as the wine expanded, and it was all good. But if you put the new wine into a wineskin that had already been expanded, there was no elasticity left in it. And when the wine expanded and the gases came out, the wineskin would burst and the wine would run out. What Jesus is effectively saying here is that no one pours something into a vessel, into a container that is going to bring expansion, that is going to bring increase, that is going to bring growth, if the container cannot handle increase, expansion, and growth. So it's, it's God's job to pour into our life, but it's our job to make sure that we can handle the expansion, the growth, the increase and in influence that's going to come from the blessing. Does that make sense? And you'll notice too, the wineskin doesn't drink the wine. It just holds the wine for other people. And God's blessing is like that with our life. He pours his blessing into our life, and we are to hold it and then distribute it to others. You know, God said to Abraham, you are blessed to be a blessing. And if we are vessels or containers that cannot handle this, then not only are we destroyed by it, but the blessing that God put in us to distribute to other people is wasted. So it's really important that we have this mindset, this posture, and this position. So what we're going to talk about this morning, first of all, is mindset. So the mindset that you have to have to receive from God is this. God is good all the time. You got that? God is good all the time. 
Uh, this is super, super important. God is good all the time. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says this, Anyone who comes to him, being God, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So the Bible says there's two things you've got to believe when you come to God. These are absolutely non-negotiable things. Number one, you've got to believe that he exists. It's a bit of a no-brainer. Number two, you have to believe that he rewards. He exists and he rewards. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loved, so he gave. You know, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And, you know, God is love. The Bible says that God is love. You cannot love without giving. So God is also giving. He's also generosity personified. James chapter 1 verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Every good and perfect gift. Like 10% of the gifts? No. 50%? No. Eight, no. Every good and perfect gift. That, that raise that you were given at work, that's not from your boss. That's from God. You know those shoes, ladies, that you got on half price that you were just so stoked with? Don't thank Dowson's or ha- who buys shoes from Dowson's? Does that even exist? It does. Okay. Well, wherever you buy your shoes from, that's not from them. That's from God. Every good gift comes from God. That great day you had last week, it's from God. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. I won't go into the whole background of this, but this gives us a bit of an insight into God's heart. He says, basically, he says, I want to throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. That's God's heart for your life. That's God's heart for my life. He says, I want to throw open the floodgates of heaven. I want to pour out so much blessing that you don't have enough room for it. A verse later, he says, you know, I want all the nations to look at you and be like, what the heck? That's... Josh's paraphrased version, but you know that, that they'll look at you and be like, man, this is insane. My go-to verse, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. I've got prosperity, I've got hope, I've got future. So you have to have this mindset that God is good all the time. Um, in Luke, and this isn't on the PowerPoint now, but in Luke, uh, God or Jesus is talking and he says, he's got a whole bunch of people there, and he's teaching them, and he says, hey, who's, who here's a parent? And all the Jews are like, yeah, yeah, I'm a parent, I'm a parent. And Jesus goes, great, this, let, me, let me give you an example. He says, imagine that one of your kids comes to you, and they're like, oh, Dad, I'm so hungry, Dad. Can I have some bread? And you're like, yeah, you can have some bread. Here's a rock. Like, and, and he says, would you do that? And all the Jews are like, what? No. Jesus, I wouldn't do that. That's awful. Jesus is like, that's right, you wouldn't, would you? No. He says, what about this? Imagine, who's a mum here? And all the mums are like, yeah, I'm a mum. I've got kids. Pick me. And he says, imagine that one of your kids comes to you, and she's like, oh, mum, I'm so hungry. Can I have some fish? Because all they ate back then was bread and fish. And she can I have some fish? And you're like, sure, you can have some fish. Here's a snake. And they're like, ah! He said, would you do that? And all the parents are like, no, I wouldn't do that. He says, right, you wouldn't do that because you're, you know how to treat your kids good, and you're evil. It's like, wow, thanks. That's <laughs> where they come from. You know, I just told you I wouldn't do that. But he says, look, this is, this is how it is. Like, God, is so, his love is so much bigger than you love your kids. And you treat your kids the best that you can. You give them everything they can handle. And God loves you so much more than that. He says, you've got to wrap your head around this. God is good all the time. I've got three kids. Jess is five, Harrison's three, and Darcy's two. And I was telling Liz, my wife, the other day, I said, I've worked out which animals they are. I was thinking about this in bed one night. I don't know why. I said, Jess is a sheepdog. Like, she's so anxious to please. 
She just always wants to do the right thing. She always wants to help. She's always like, can I help? Can I help? Can I help? You know, and, and when she does something well and you give her encouragement, she gets so bashful and she, she doesn't want to smile in front of you. So she sticks her tongue in her cheek and she kind of goes, it's gorgeous. So she's a sheepdog. I said, Harrison, he's a golden retriever. You know, I come home and Harrison's like, Dad, and he comes running over and he wraps himself around my leg. And if he had a tail, it would be flapping all around the place. And, and you're like, oh, man, it's so good. You love me so much. And then he sees the next person and he's like, Jared. And he goes over to you, Judah. And you realize he actually doesn't love me. He just loves everybody. So Harrison's a golden retriever. And Darcy is like, she's a cat who's just permanently ticked off that I'm alive. <laughs> I get home, I'm like, Darcy. She's like, She's getting a lot better now. It's really hard to bond with a kid that hates your guts. <laughs> but she is getting, she's a lot better now. But when she was first born, like if I looked at her funny, she was like, mom. You know, but do you know what? I love her just as much as the other two now. <laughs> she's, um, you know, you love your kids. So you have to have this mindset. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. That's the mindset. That's the way you think. I get up in the morning, I'm like, God is good. Every good thing comes from God. He's for me, not against me. God is good all the time. You know, it says that he gives generously without finding fault. I'm hammering this because it's important. God is good all the time. That's the mindset you've got to have. Let's move on to the next one because most people, I would imagine, in church would, would have some sort of understanding like, yeah, God's good, right? Most, like, who believes that God wants to bless you? Let me just, you know, be honest. Right, so we're all, we're all over here, we're like, yes, God wants to bless me. And then we're all over here saying, yes, I want to be blessed. But there's a disconnect between the two. Because I don't know about you, but I don't have so much blessing falling out of my life that the worlds around the, or the countries around the world are going, man, check out Josh, what's going on there? So there's, there's I don't know about you, but I'm like, I could do with some more blessing, if that's all right. So this next point, this is the point that I think is the sticking point for most people. The posture that you have to have to receive from God is this. Receiving is an active process. This is the big thing that, that a lot of people don't understand. You know, we live in an age where, where grace is, is really understood and very prominent in the church, and I'm very thankful for that. Uh, but a lot of Christians have got a big revelation on grace, which is unmerited favor. So grace is when, you know, God does something for us and we've got nothing to do with it. And it has nothing to do with anything we've ever done. Jesus died on the cross, which had nothing to do with me. Like I wasn't even, you know, alive back then, right? He looked ahead. He saw, you know, how much I needed him to die on the cross. He saw all the dumb things that I had done. He saw the dumb things that I'm doing now. And he saw all the dumb things that I have even, not even thought of yet. And he sacrificed his life. That's grace, right? That's grace. But the Bible says we are saved through grace and faith. And faith is the other side of the coin. Faith is my response to God's grace. So, you know, this idea that, that a lot of Christians have or seem to have, that they can watch as much TV as they want, don't even get me started on what sort of TV they watch sometimes, don't pray, don't read their Bible, don't help out in church, don't give, don't really put any effort into, Glenn's laughing, don't really put any effort, it's a nervous laughter, don't put any effort into, into building a relationship with Jesus and that somehow their life's going to be amazing because, you know, grace is ridiculous. Shots fired. You know, faith is an active process. 
Receiving is an active process. Receiving from God takes energy, it takes time, it takes commitment, it takes money, it takes obedience, it takes sacrifice, and it takes work. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, we are created to do good works. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 3 says, fellow workers with Christ, that's who we are. Uh, In Matthew 9 verse 37, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. David said in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds their house, its builders labor in vain. If we flip that around and and we say that positively, the positive spin would be, if the Lord is building your house, its builders do not labor in vain. But it doesn't say they don't labor. It just says there's results from their labor because God's helping out. You know, you have to have a posture of, you know, activity. You know, this is the big thing. This is the big sticking point, I think, in the church today is that we, we don't understand that in order to receive from God and unlock the plans that God has for us, it's going to take sacrifice. You know, Jesus said, he who holds on to his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Um, this is a really big deal because we, the church, are God's plan to save the world. You know, when Jesus left, he said, I'm going up to the Father. I'm leaving you guys in charge. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to help you out. But this is your job. He said, you heal the sick. You cast out demons. You raise the dead. You preach the gospel. You disciple nations. It's our job. You know, God's plan is to pour his blessings into our life so that we can then pour his blessings into the life of other people. And if we can't handle God's blessing, then we can't, give, you know, you can't give away what you don't have. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can't give away what you don't have. And you can't have it unless you adopt this attitude that I have to prepare myself for this blessing from God. You know, I heard someone say the other day, if the only time you pray is when you've got a problem, God loves you too much to take that problem away. Hear that? If the only time you pray is when you've got a problem, God loves you too much to take that problem away. That's an interesting thought. Let me, let me give you an example. I've got, where's that um, bar? Here we go. I have a Moro bar here. All right. Preach it. I want to give this to someone. I want to give it to Mitch. Because you've been very encouraging this message. So here you go, Mitch. Come and grab it. Now, I want you to look very closely at what's going on here. Here you go. All right. Stop there. Who is receiving this Moro bar? Mitch is receiving it. Now, I'm giving it to Mitch. I know I joked around because you were being very encouraging, but actually I planned to give it to you before I came down because I asked God, who should I give it to? Um, oh, he so wanted that more, eh? So this is unmerited favor. This is grace. Is this costing you anything? Money-wise? No, it's a, it's a, no, no, no. It's fine. I won't hear you. It's a free gift, right? So I have extended grace to Mitch. This is a free gift. Mitch is receiving this free gift, but he had to get out of his chair He had to come up the front. He had to believe that, first of all, I existed, that he wasn't at home in bed having a dream. He had to believe that I was going to reward him for his effort, and then he had to act in order to receive it. And this is the third point. Look how close Mitch is to me now. The third key to receiving from God is this. Receiving requires intimacy. Everything boils, with God, everything boils down to relationship. Everything boils down to relationship. Yeah, you can go now. Thank you. Yeah, good receiving, Mitch. Well done. 
It does happen again in the second service. <laughs> you guys, anyone that stays for the second service is going to be super encouraging because they want that more bar. You know, receiving requires intimacy. Listen to this statement. The blessing of God for your life is not where you are, it's where Jesus is. The blessing of God for your life is not where you are, it's where Jesus is. You know, with Jesus, everything boils down to relationship. In John 3.16, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. In John 17, verse 3, Jesus said, Now this is everlasting life. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. See, a lot of Christians think when they read John 3.16 that the reason that Jesus died on the cross was so that we could go to heaven. But that's not what it says. The Bible says the reason Jesus died on the cross was so that we could have eternal life. And then Jesus says in John 17, eternal life is knowing God and knowing Jesus Christ. The reason that Jesus died on the cross was not so that you could have this average life and then go to heaven. It's so that you can have an amazing life in relationship with Jesus Christ. That is why Jesus died on the cross. Everything with God comes back to relationship. It comes back to relationship. So the three things that you need to understand in order to receive from God is number one, mindset. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Let's say this. Say this up to me. God is good. All the time. All right, now let's say it one more time like we really believe it. God is good. Good, all the time. How, how much do you hate it when a preacher gets you to repeat something after them? And then when you do it, they're like, come on, you can do better than that. You're like, oh, oh, all the time. Yeah, that's right. That was good. Posture, receiving is an active process. Uh, yeah, this is going to sound crazy, but uh, in the last couple of weeks, Liz and I had this brilliant idea that we should start getting up early in the morning and praying together. Now, I'm 32, and I've been a Christian my whole life. So 30-odd years. It's taken, we've been married for eight years. We've been together for a couple of years before that. But it's taken me 30-odd years as a Christian, eight years of marriage, to go, I think we should pray together. And do you know what? There are mornings when I do not enjoy my alarm going off at 6 o'clock in the morning. Now, for a lot of you, you might have to get up and go to work, but I don't have to do that because I've got stupid jobs. But I don't have to get up at any time in the morning. I don't have to. Now, kids don't go to school. I don't have a business, work, normal 9-to-5 job. So I don't have to get up. But I get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and we go into the lounge in our dressing gowns where it's blooming cold, and we pray. We pray for an hour together. We've been doing it for two weeks, and hand on heart, I cannot believe the difference that it's made to our life. I cannot believe it in two weeks. And, you know, that takes effort. It takes sacrifice. We're doing it because it's, we're obedient to what God's telling us to do. And, and things are happening in our world now that are really, really, really exciting and scary as well. You know, there's this part in uh, Lion Witch in the Wardrobe when the beavers are talking to the uh, Adam, uh, what are their names? Edmund, Peter, Lucy, and Susan. They're talking to them about Aslan. And they're talking about him being this lion. And one of the kids says, is he, is he safe? And the beavers go, safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. And, you know, that's what God is like. Like, 
It's really easy, you know, familiarity breeds contempt. But with Jesus, it's like unfamiliarity breeds contempt. Like you get more and more just, well, but the closer you get to Jesus, the closer you're like, ooh, it's a bit, there's an edge there. It's scary, but it's fun scary. 